The Score Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by The Score Bet. That's right. We brought you the best sports media app. Now we're bringing you the best sportsbook and casino now live in Ontario, Canada. The Score Bet offers a safe and secure mobile sportsbook experience with both pregame and in-play markets. But best of all, it's integrated into The Score and our content to give you the easiest and most seamless sports betting experience. Download now on iOS and Android. Available in Ontario only. Must be 19 years of age or older to participate. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. Appreciate you tuning in today for what I think is one of the more important shows we do every offseason, because today we're going to go over some of the key injury situations heading into the 2022 season. And I think sometimes this stuff, it isn't taken into consideration enough this time of year. People wait until July, late July, when all the teams report to camp, and then all of a sudden they're shocked that player X isn't ready to practice or player Y might start the season on the pup list. But a lot of these injury situations, we've already known about them. Going back to last season or maybe a report trickled out during the offseason that a player underwent surgery, maybe he didn't catch it in February or March, maybe he had other things going on. I don't blame you. But the thing you need to know here is if that player is going to be ready for week one in September. So the goal today is to get a better feel for some of these injury situations. And to help us out with that, we have our friend Edwin Porras, who has been on the show several times over the last few seasons. He's the medical analyst over at Fantasy Points. And since we last had him on, he got hired by the Minnesota Twins to help assist in rehabbing their minor leaguers. So if you needed even more proof that Edwin knows what he's talking about, there it is. And that's why you should be following him on Twitter already at FB Injury Doc. Drops a ton of great info on there, including links to his injury prone podcast, which I've been lucky enough to have been a guest on before. But I am just pumped to have him back today. So, Edwin, welcome back to the show, man. Thank you for jumping on with us again. And right off the bat here, I want to know how you've been doing, how this new gig with the Twins is going. Get us caught up with everything that's happening with you. It has been an absolute whirlwind. Uh, it's in the last you know, let's say six months, I've gotten a new job, been offered an interview for this specific job, taken this job and moved halfway across the country, actually generally mostly across the country. So I've been really quiet on fantasy Twitter lately. Um, so this is actually going to be really good sort of takeoff for me because you're asking some really awesome questions and I appreciate the really super nice intro Boone. It's always nice to talk to you. I'm going to get you on. We were talking about how I'm going to get you on uh, my podcast again. We're going to keep this thing rolling and moving and uh, it's always good to have conversations with people who are reasonable and have a good understanding of how injuries play into the fantasy season, play into the NFL season. And so you're that person today, Boone. You are the reasonable question asker, the reasonable interviewer, and a person who gives great context and you're with your own advice. So I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be here. Well, I will do my best to uh, get us through as much of this stuff as we can. Let's dive in. I'm going to ask you about some specific injured players and who might be ready for week one. But I want to start by getting your thoughts on a couple players who they're healthy and they're going pretty high in drafts, normally within the first five or six picks. It's Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. The reason I'm asking, maybe it's obvious to some, but McCaffrey, it's really been two straight injury filled seasons for him. He's only played 10 games over the last two years. 
that's because he's dealt with just a ton of injuries, a couple ankle sprains, an AC joint sprain, at least one hamstring strain as well. He's going to be 26 in June. So not old, but not young by running back years. And then for Henry, he's been healthy most of his career, which is shocking considering the way he plays, but he suffered a foot fracture that forced him to miss most of the second half of last season. He missed a total of nine regular season games before he returned in week 18, I believe. And then he was back for the playoffs as well. But Henry, a couple years older than CMC, he turned 28 in January. And like I said, both guys are still getting picked among the top five backs. And for the most part, they're going in the top half of the first round. So in your opinion, Edwin, should fantasy managers be worried at all about McCaffrey and or Henry and the potential that maybe they could be breaking down after these recent injuries? This is a really fair question. And I think we're sort of entering into a new era, right? Because running backs, I think, used to be viewed in a specific light. You know, you could play up until you were 28, 29, 30, get a ton of carries, get a ton of catches out of the backfield, right? We're, we're from that DeMarco Murray era. We're, we've shifted into the Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley era. And I think we have a little bit more context now after those sort of elite guys have really aged and gone through the process of being an NFL starter and an NFL, you know, stalwart starting running back who, who gets volume. And I think what we've learned is that a the age apex is a lot sooner than we think it is uh, to, depending on what context you look at it in terms of PPR points or half PPR and points per game. Typically it's between the ages of 24 and 26 when guys peak, like that's just the bottom line. They can extend that peak and plateau for two years, three years, or they can dive and take a deep, a deep dive typically when they're on the, on the wrong end of some bad luck like Todd Gurley did. But when you look at guys that are elite, like Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry, they're sort of their first of their kind, right? We've never seen somebody like Derrick Henry. just an absolute animal who, I mean, not that it was super late, right? Or not that he he broke out, quote unquote, broke out super late, but it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, somebody that came along and was just dominating from day one. Uh, I still remember that huge run that he had in the playoffs in December, right? It wasn't against Jacksonville. I think that's who he typically does that against, but that was nuts. So you think, take somebody like him, you don't think about quote unquote, tread on the tires. You don't think about quote unquote, carries he's taken like those things are relatively speaking not as important as his injury history and what we saw last year was what that was that jones fracture that he had in the foot and it took him approximately 11 weeks to come back from it the titans played it close so that's your primary concern in terms of an injury history on top of that the physiological response of being 20 what is he 27 28 years old now he's obviously not going to be necessarily at his peak performance but in terms of these these injuries for a guy built like derrick henry it is not unreasonable to fathom another foot injury it is not unreasonable to look at the jones fracture refracture rate of it being between 15 and 20 percent depending on on what source you look at even in guys who wait long enough to come back from it so I'm not saying be afraid of Derrick Henry. I'm not saying don't draft Derrick Henry or that I'm even concerned about him. But when it comes to these top guys, he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be a little selective on when I can take him, depending on where I am in, in drafts. Yeah, and I think I think the important thing when we're looking at some of these injuries and some of the top guys that we still expect to be good, but maybe there is a little bit of an injury concern. It's not something that we are bumping these guys out of the first round or we're knocking them you know, off our draft board entirely. It's just something where you're going to use it as another data point. Maybe you break a tie against that guy because of you know the potential for the injury to pop back up. So that's Henry. 
What about McCaffrey? That's a good way to put it. I think a tiebreaker is a great way to put it. And not that this would ever happen, or maybe if you have, you know, the, I don't know, third through fifth or so pick, and you are facing a, hey, should I just take McCaffrey or should I take Henry? I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey. Let me tell you why. Christian McCaffrey in three years at Stanford missed one game due to injury. Then he got to the NFL from 2017 to 2019. He played six, all 16 games. There's three NFL seasons. Granted, he didn't see the volume he was seeing in, over the last couple of seasons, but he played 16 games nonetheless. Uh, this can be frustrating for McCaffrey owners. Like I totally understand that. But you just have to understand that the greater picture and the larger sample of McCaffrey you know, in his football career since his time at Stanford has been health. And when you consider the fact that you know, you could view this similar to like a regression, right? He played 16 games in the NFL without ever getting injured as a running back. That's pretty insane to me. Like if anything, you can view this as injury regression. Uh, the other thing you have to consider is that the most common injuries for uh, running backs in the NFL, I want you to, I want you to guess the body region. I want you to guess one body region, Boone. Do you know the knees? most common injuries? Knees? Hamstrings? It is, lower it body? Is not, it is not knees. It is actually hamstrings. It is shoulder and it is ankle. Top three injuries to running backs. What did McCaffrey have over the last few seasons? Hamstring, shoulder, ankle. These are run-of-the-mill injuries that are going to happen to running backs. He had some really, really tough luck, especially with the hamstring. Uh, I remember talking about the hamstring last year. He ended up getting re-injured, so not great. Uh, that was that might have been you know some some. Uh, miscommunication between him and the medical staff, and maybe he wanted to get back on the field. I don't know exactly what happened. I wasn't in the room, but the moral of the story, what I'm saying is that even if McCaffrey, and the other thing you have to consider, I'm sorry, I did miss one more point. McCaffrey was taking upwards of 90% of snaps before he was injured, which is an insane clip. Derrick Henry takes 70 to 75% of snaps for, for his team. And Christian McCaffrey was taking upwards of 90, 95% some, some, some games. That is an unfathomable clip of NFL volume for any person on this planet, including Derrick Henry. In addition to that, I look back at the practice reports, which we have at fantasypoints.com available for me to check out, which is great. And I noticed that Derrick Henry started taking rest days, not infrequently, a couple of years ago. On his Wednesdays and Thursdays, he'd take, he'd take vet days. Christian McCaffrey didn't start taking vet days until this year. So... All of that mileage, all of those workloads, everything that goes into the big picture, if the if the Panthers can look at McCaffrey, give him a little bit of reprieve, even a 10 to 15% clip, that's still going to be an elite level fantasy running back. So I think he can still do it. I think he can stay healthy given the greater context of everything we know about him. So that's why I had a lot more words on McCaffrey than Henry. Well, along the lines of what you're saying about maybe giving CMC some rest, they bring in a, a bigger body back in Deonta Foreman, who could potentially be more of that hammer in the offense. And we don't know for sure. I mean, he's still going to have to compete with Chuba Hubbard and see if he can get that backup role. But I'm kind of penciling him in as the, the number two back there. And I think there's a chance he could take a little off the top. But still, McCaffrey, he still has a, a higher upside, a higher ceiling than any fantasy player out there. And that's why it makes it tough to not rank him as the number one back as much as we like Jonathan Taylor. I'm glad you're saying this about McCaffrey because it's going to make me look at it again. I've wanted to put him back in that number one spot overall, uh, just based on what we've seen him do in the past. And the fact that, you know, in PPR, he can give you these 30 point weeks pretty consistently. He's done it where he's averaged 30 points for long stretches. 
I don't know there's any other back in the league that can consistently do that for you. So I still really like CMC this year. I, I like that you're saying some good things about him there. And we'll see what kind of role Foreman has in that backfield and whether that could be the thing that actually maybe bumps him back a little bit this year if he gives up some of those touches to a guy like Foreman. And Foreman is actually a pretty good segue to the next player that I want to talk about because I want to get your thoughts on Cam Akers after he made what can only really be called a miraculous return from that offseason Achilles injury. Tore the Achilles in July, somehow managed to get back into the lineup in January. And I know people want to debate his performance, but he really didn't look the same in those playoff games. I'm not sure what we should have even expected based on how fast he came back. But in the past, with these running back Achilles injuries, sometimes it took a couple years before they were anywhere close to their previous form. And that's why I say Foreman is a, a great segue here because he's a guy that we saw kind of fall off the map. He was breaking out a little bit. Then he tears the Achilles, went away. I thought there was a chance his career was over, manages to come back and then finally get back on an NFL roster. And he's playing pretty well now, but it's several years removed from that injury. And then there's some backs that just never get back to that previous form. And I know there were a lot of conversations about Akers' long-term outlook last year after he got hurt and what his dynasty value was. But now we've seen him get back into the lineup. We know whether that was the real version of him or just kind of an early version of him. I want to know where you stand on his outlook moving forward after getting to see him in the playoffs. It's really difficult to have this conversation, especially in the polarizing hot take era that we live in on Twitter without sounding like you're either totally against or totally for acres. I think both things can be true. I think as a physical therapist who works with, with athletes all day, every day can look at cam makers has come back and say like, Holy crap, that was impressive. That's super cool. Uh, you look at the procedure that was done and the procedure allowed him to be weight bearing and sort of get to, to training and physical therapy a little faster than the traditional procedure that was done before, which is why you see he can get back a little faster, right? I can look at that in awe and shock. And I think that's so cool. Um, uh, not to name drop here, but I know I'm not going to name drop. I know one of the physical therapists for the Rams who constantly grinding one of the smartest PTs, uh, you know, in the game right now. And you know that their sports their sports med department is constantly looking at ways to innovate and get their athletes on the field, keep them on the field. So I know that they're doing everything they possibly can. You can appreciate the quick turnaround. I think it ended up being like seven months or something that he ended up getting back to game action while also looking at him and saying, we don't know if he's ever going to be the cam acres that we wanted or that we expected. So in the playoffs, I track this and of, of course, playoffs are always a small sample boon. So you can't be too nitpicky, but the bottom line, is that in with in running in the playoffs running backs with at least 20 attempts uh, acres ranked in the following categories he ranked last in expected points added per attempt last in points above replacement third to last in expected points added above average and third to last in points earned per play i know some of that people you know will push back and say well you know it was the penalties and he had some bad penalties i can't imagine that a handful of penalties that might have taken away a, a two or three even four or five runs away would have helped those numbers uh, much more than than what what it looked like and he looked like a guy that was seven months removed from an achilles repair man like that's the bottom line like people ask me what do you think camera because i think he looked fine like he had some decent bursts i think by the naked eye he looked good he looked but ultimately the numbers show he looked like a guy seven months removed from an achilles repair here's the bottom line 
I'm going to try to keep this condensed. I told you I was going to try to be concise. We're already going on 15 minutes, but I'm sorry. It's all right. Give as much information <laughs> as you want. This is great stuff. Here's the bottom line. The difference between a ligament and a tendon, a ligament, consider the ACL, and a tendon, consider the Achilles, is that the tendon is an actual, uh, it's an actual extension of the muscle. It's, uh, you have several, you know, two primary calf muscles that help you push off, get on your tippy toes, jump, uh, sprint. All those things, those big that, those big calf muscles, right? They come down, they coalesce, and they create this Achilles tendon. What the tendon does is translates force from the muscle to the joint, and it helps create that force output. When you disrupt a tendon, when you rupture it, when you when it gets severed for whatever reason, whatever happens to a tendon, it has to you have to repair it a in order to get back to high level sport usually, and b it has to remodel, and it never remodels the same. It doesn't matter what kind of procedure we have not advanced science enough to be able to remodel these tendons so that they're brand spanking spanking new and the tendon that is not remodeled is imperfect which imperfectly allows for force production imperfectly uh, creates that force that you need it is never the same now we don't have a lot of good data for the most recent procedure that was performed hopefully that can change but i still to 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 this day i need to see it from Cam Akers. Last year on the Injury Prone Podcast, I actually did a 10, 15 minute episode trying to decipher the physiology and the stats because that matters. It's not the same as an ACL. An ACL, once you get to 12, 15 months removed from an ACL and you stay strong and you work on on force development and power output, the ligament becomes uh, ingrained into the bone. It connects the bone and the bone, but it is not live tissue the way a tendon is. So that's very different. I didn't mean to get into the weeds there, but I did need to point out the difference between a ligament and a tendon. A tendon is never quite the same. And even though a ligament is never quite the same, you don't need the ligament itself to create force and create power. You need the tendon to do that. That is why this injury is so so difficult to come back from. And that's why it has such a bad track record. If I were looking at a player like Cam Akers, I view him more like a guy that I expect an RB2 season from. And I'll feel lucky and happy if he gives me an RB1 season because I just haven't seen it from him. He could train in the offseason, continue to do, put in the work that he absolutely needs to do and look better. How much better? I don't know. I don't know how much better he can actually get at this point. Uh, you could make the argument that since he came back so quickly that he's got it in him to get to that point. But the bottom line is we don't know what his physiology is going to be after this surgery, after this procedure. So I don't know, Boone. I'm telling you, I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence per se, and I wouldn't necessarily put a ton of money on him. Well, I'm sort of approaching it the same way you're saying. I have him ranked as a, a mid to low end RB2. I have some concerns about what he's going to look like in September and whether he's going to be able to hit that you know, high-end version of the the outcomes that we thought were possible for him. And it's another reason why I have Daryl Henderson ranked as a, a top five, you know, in those high-end backup running backs. I'm doing rankings right now for that. And Daryl Henderson is still right up there. He showed us last year that he can give you top 12, top 15 numbers if he gets most of the carries. So if something happens and Akers isn't able to be out there, we know that Henderson would be a, a very valuable fantasy back, but we're still crossing our fingers. We're hoping that Akers can get back to the player that we hope that he could be and be that top 12, top 15 back himself this year. You were mentioning you were kind of comparing the Achilles and ACL stuff. That kind of leads us to another backfield that I think we have to touch on, which is the Ravens, because they got dealt a pretty big blow last summer. They lost their top two backs to torn ACLs. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards went down. And I haven't really heard too much about their recoveries. We know Baltimore went out and they drafted Tyler Beatty on day three and they recently signed, you know, veteran Mike Davis who got dropped by the Falcons. So not huge investments, but 
building up their depth a little bit, maybe just in case Dobbins and Edwards aren't ready. But that's where we got to look to you, Edwin, for guidance. So do you expect these guys to be available for the season opener or should we be taking a, a more cautious approach with these guys as well? It's uh, funny, right? The Ravens are kind of like insulating themselves because they're like, that's never, never again. Remember, because they had, was it, was it Justice Hill who they had? They had who Justice tore his Hill Achilles? as well, yeah. Yeah. So they had the back-to-back ACLs and Dobbins and Edwards, and they had Justice Hill go down with a uh, with an Achilles, and they just had terrible running back look. That happened in like a really close, close together uh, time frame. But yes, in terms of Dobbins and Edwards, I have them both slated to be back, uh, bare minimum the end of May for Dobbins, the beginning of June for Edwards. And I think that's more than enough time simply because uh, we know when the injury was. And if even if we tack on a month or two, they still have plenty of wiggle room. If the injuries weren't super severe, super significant with like added, you know, the Joe Burrow type injury, if a running back gets that, that's going to be a lot longer of a time frame. We don't necessarily assume that for Dobbins, although we don't know, but both of them should be back and running by uh, week one. The thing we have to consider, right, is a guy like Dobbins who has high draft capital, relatively athletic, and has a good pedigree, was taken by the organization. They're going to put a lot more confidence in him. Those are all factors in the literature and the data that shows us that he can come back and perform at his uh, previous level. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen right away. Uh, I think guys like Saquon Barkley, who I was pounding the table for, we'll get to him eventually. I have a whole segment on him, Boone. I'll, I'll, I can talk to you for him, to, about him for hours. But guys like Dobbins aren't quite Saquon Barkley level. But that doesn't mean that he can't come back and be you know, 80 85% of what we anticipated he'd be. So I think that Dobbins has a decent chance as long as that knee holds up. Uh, Edwards, on the other hand, right, not as much of a pedigree. Uh, he is more of like a bruising type back, 27 years old. I don't know how much he really is going to contribute his first year after um, after an ACL. So if I were going to put any stock into like a Ravens running back, which is really hard to do considering Lamar Jackson's situation and how he t- he likes to run the ball himself, I'd I, I'd have to go with Dobbins and hopefully you know he sort of has a little breakout here and people are doubting him based on his ADP because of the injury. All right, let's shift to a, a group of receivers who are coming off ACL tears. You seem pretty good with the ACL stuff. You bang that one out pretty fast. So these guys aren't teammates like the Ravens backs, but they are trying to get ready for the start of the season. And I don't know how likely that's going to be for them. So we have Robert Woods, who suffered a grade three ACL tear on November 12th. We have Chris Godwin, and that was a grade two tear on December 19th. And then we have Michael Gallup, and it was a grade three tear for him on January 2nd. So all of them happened in the second half of the season, but Godwin and Gallup a little closer to the end of the year. What do you think the timeline looks like for them? So it's difficult to know exactly when these guys are going to come back, but there are some simple rules to follow. If you consider the fact that most surgeons in most cases won't allow or aren't ready to allow a player to come back after an ACL tear prior to to nine months, that is because what we find in the data is that you're about seven times more likely to re-tear your ACL if you come back prior to that nine months. Have there been players that came back before nine months generally speaking, no, there have been a handful in the NFL, but you don't typically see them at a high skill level doing a lot of cutting and agility work like wide receivers need to do specifically. Uh, you see that oftentimes, and you see that linebackers, a quarterback can probably make it back relatively soon as we saw Joe Burrow do come back from a pretty severe ACL uh, in, in just about that nine and a half month mark, I believe. So you don't see that as often in 
wide receivers. If you consider OBJ his first ACL tear, he had about 10 months, 10 and a half months to recover, and he still missed a week or two of the season. Uh, you think about somebody like Cooper Cup, he had 10 months to recover on his ACL, and there are a handful of other, you know, Cortland Sutton, he had basically an entire year. So all these guys that come back from ACL, Saquon Barkley had 10 and a half months. These guys are coming back at least nine months after their injury. This is why these guys are cutting it close. You mentioned Robert Woods first. Robert Woods had his uh, uh, injury, I believe it was November 12th, I think you mentioned, and that's cutting it really, really close. If you consider that some surgeons opt to wait until the swelling is down and they can do some prehab to get them into surgery, let's say, you know, and let's say he has, Robert Woods has absolutely no meniscus issue, there's no tear, anything like that, and let's say they wait, you know, about two weeks, three weeks to do a surgery. Let's let's be conservative and say they wait a month to do a surgery, which is typical for prehab stuff. That puts Robert Woods at his nine month mark on September first. So he'll that would put him week one, roughly nine months in a week. That is pretty quick, and that's assuming that they waited a month to get let him go, right? So if anything, Robert Woods is going to be the guy that is cutting it the absolute closest. I know there was recently a clip that's going around of him doing some lateral work. He's still got that big bulky knee brace on. You're going to you're going to see that with a lot of these guys. I am not necessarily banking that Woods will be back in week 1 quite yet. Uh, if you look at the second guy you mentioned, Chris Godwin, there is more information on him. He did not have any meniscus issues. He did have an MCL, but that doesn't necessarily impact the outcomes of ACL and performance. His surgery was in mid, or I'm sorry, his surgery was, I think it did end up being roughly the end of, oh no, I'm sorry, it was January 3rd was the surgery. And what you find is that nine months from January 3rd is October 3rd. So, Again, that nine-month mark, it really depends on the surgeon. It depends on who did it, the PTs and the strength coaches involved, how comfortable they're going to let, they're going to feel letting him come back right at nine months on October 3rd. I wouldn't necessarily bank on it. Um, you could also look at someone like uh, Gallup, right, who had surgery based on some reports early February. That puts him at no, nine months on November 9th. So you're looking at Woods at the soonest, Godwin next up and Gallup, who will come back probably mid-November. And again, these are estimates, and these are assuming that surgeons are going to wait at least nine months to release these guys. All right, I got another another big-name receiver that I want to ask you about, T. Higgins. And this is the kind of injury that I think some people might not know all the details about, because it only came out after the season that he had played kind of with this shoulder issue, and then he underwent uh, shoulder surgery to repair that torn labrum after the Super Bowl. The team doesn't seem too worried about his week one availability, but teams rarely seem very worried in May. It's only when we get closer to training camp and then the concern grows a little bit, or at least they show their cards a little bit more. So do you think we should have any concern here about Higgins maybe not being ready for the start of the season or, or even this injury just affecting him early in the year? I think there should be some concern for his availability. The reason they waited so long to do the surgery, well, the first reason is obviously they made the Super Bowl. I thought it was interesting that they waited about a month after the Super Bowl to give him uh, to to have him, you know, perform that surgery. I wonder if they're trying to stay with like stick with conservative care. I don't really know. But what you typically see, if we're going to assume based on one of the clips that he was injured on that I tweeted about at the time in September, he landed, his elbow was sort of bent and he landed on his shoulder. What you typically see there is sort of the the inverse 
Dalvin Cook. Well, actually, it might have been the the exact mechanism of Dalvin Cook, where the shoulder sort of subluxed and went back in. And if he's lax, what they did was they went in there, they sewed it up, they tightened it up, they tightened it down. That typically is about a five month recovery uh, for these guys. And the five month mark is roughly the beginning of the season. I actually tweeted this out uh, just yesterday, so let me find it real quick as uh, I scroll through these tweets. But Higgins is going to be another guy that if he sticks to that five month timeline. And if he has no setbacks and if he doesn't have any complications, right? A lot of ifs, a lot of ifs. Um, he is a guy that is going to be a close call to to be back by week one. If you put him March, right? That's going to be the, in August. If you don't see him, you know, in camp by August, then I'd start to sort of raise some eyebrows. All right. I'm scared to ask you about this next receiver because... I want to believe that we are finally going to see. (laughs) I want to believe that we're finally going to see Michael Thomas come back and just be some version of the fantasy star that he used to be. But I also know he's 29 years old, hasn't been able to play in about a year and a half. And now it's not just the ankle injuries. And I don't know if you want to touch on the rest of it, but I think he also had a hamstring issue in there as well at one point. There's also some displeasure with the organization, it seems, and he kind of delayed that surgery last offseason, and we didn't really understand what was going on there, and ultimately cost him the entire year. And the latest update in early May, it came from his new head coach, Dennis Allen, he said there were still a couple hurdles that Thomas had to climb over before he was going to be ready from the ankle issue, and it's just, that doesn't seem ideal after, you know, this long since he's played. So, Edwin, it just, it leaves me to really wonder whether are the ankle issue is going to be the thing that kind of prevents Thomas from ever returning to form. Are you worried about this one? Or is there a shot that we can actually see him out there and racking up catches like he used to? There are two sides to this conundrum we have with Michael Thomas. And first of all, it was an absolute mess. He didn't report to the team that he was doing his own thing in the offseason. The team, I think something like was under the impression that he had the surgery, but he didn't. Then he reported back in June and they said, what the hell? Why haven't you had the surgery? Then he had the surgery. And now we're hearing, you know, almost 12 months later, he's got hurdles. That makes you think something went awry with the surgery itself. He either had some hardware that was placed incorrectly or, you know, sometimes hardware just gets loose or he had hardware removed and there were complications from the surgery or there were complications from the previous surgery. God forbid, and I really knock on wood, I hope this isn't the case. uh, Anytime you have a surgery to a joint, Boone, you are automatically at a higher risk for arthritis, which is what Todd Gurley had in his knee. Uh, We hope that's not residual swelling, residual pain, because that is not a procedure that he can come back from very successfully. We don't know, basically, is what I'm saying. There are a hundred different reasons why he's taken this long to recover from an injury that should be anywhere between the six to nine month mark. And, And we don't know the bottom line, right? So whatever the case may be, Michael Thomas is, is, is upside and his potential is extremely high. It could be some, you know, some more funny games, you know, um, some, some, I don't know what word you would use some shenanigans that could be going on in the background again, which doesn't make you feel great about it. Uh, The upside is obviously Michael Thomas, a top 10 wide receiver. I don't know what his current ADP is, and I don't know where he's going in drafts or where he'll be, where he'll be going in August. But I can tell you that I took a flyer on him last year, obviously didn't work out. But in in the grand scheme of things, if you're passing up, you know, if you're getting to the point where Michael Thomas is sitting there in the sixth round, the seventh round, the eighth round, I probably am comfortable taking him there, just not knowing where he's at. Obviously, things will change by the time August hits. But if he's not in August camp, then I'm I'm 
really raising some red flags and I'm probably just going to be avoiding him altogether. And it's not just the problems that he has. I mean, we could sit here. We could also talk about the team drafting Chris Olave and signing Jarvis Landry, right? Like there, there's some other weapons there now where in the past when he was racking up all those catches, didn't have as much target competition in those seasons. So it's, it's definitely worrisome. I think I have one dynasty share of Michael Thomas left, and I think I better go try to trade it away before we release this podcast. Anyway, let's end it with this. Uh, during the season, all of our preview episodes, we did like this rapid fire segment at the end, and we haven't done it during the off season shows, but I thought it was going to work really well for this one. Cause there was a bunch of players that I wanted to ask you about, and I didn't want to take, you know, four or five hours to do the show. So instead I'm going to toss a player out here. I want you to tell me if you're buying them or if you're selling them in fantasy based on their injury outlook. And once again, rapid fire. So you can give a little context. I know earlier you said you had a whole bunch to say about Saquon Barkley. We don't want the whole essay there. Just give us a couple lines. Try to give us a little bit of context so we won't spend too much time on each one. Sound good? All right. All right, Boone. I hear you. I hear you. (laughs) All right. Let's do it. The first one up that I want to talk about here, and I thought we might end up mentioning him earlier, but we didn't. James Robinson with the Achilles tear. Selling. Very wow, very clear. You, uh, just very. I and I will ask a little context there, just because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're are you concerned the same kind of thing that he's not going to be able to play at all this season? Are you concerned that he's not going to be himself this season? What what's the issue there? Yeah, so he's an undrafted free agent, right? Athleticism is, isn't necessarily off the charts. Travis Etienne is there, struggling through his own injury. We, we didn't we didn't actually touch on him, but he he has James Robinson, and I don't even remember necessarily. Uh, what day he injured his Achilles, but you're not going to project a seventh month month return for him the way that we did that we saw with Cam Akers. That's highly unlikely. In reality, it's probably going to be closer to, you know, okay, so here it is, December 26th. It's going to be closer to September, October before we see a full recovery from James Robinson in the first place. We know that these Achilles injuries in particular are not kind to undrafted free agents and guys with low draft capital and and a shorter leash from front offices. Just just get Travis Etienne. I'll take the blame for going off the rapid fire road there. Okay, That's all right. That's all right. On to the next one here. I know in the past you've been on the show and you talked about having some concerns about James Conner. Last season, he came out, he played 15 games. He didn't get hurt until the end of the year. To your credit, I you did say that maybe it was like the massive workload that was the problem for Connor, and you know maybe he needed to share a backfield, which for most of last year he did with Chase Edmonds, right? Until Edmonds got hurt in the second half of the year, we saw that you know Connor at that point was rocking the majority of touches, and then he went down. So it seemed like your take on him was correct, but I want to know this year going into it, it looks like he is going to have a big workload. Are you buying or selling him? I'm selling him, man. I know that he. And and you can cover this the fantasy perspective, but he had a ton of touchdown luck last year, didn't he? I mean, just sure. like insane touchdown luck. Um, if you look at at James Conner, again, I've said this before on this exact podcast. Great story, awesome to know where he's at, you know. But he's 27 years old. The greater large scheme of things, Boone, is that he before this year had a connective tissue injury. I think it was like six of the last seven season or year like calendar years, and that greater context, if I'm going to be consistent, like I am with Christian McCaffrey, giving you greater context for him. If I'm going to be consistent with what is the greater context tell me, then I can't be in on James Conner because this was in theory, based on my own thinking, an outlier season. I'm out. 
All right, it's a reason to look hard at Daryl Williams, who just signed in Arizona. I think he's probably the favorite now to be the number two there. A rookie Keontae Ingram is somebody that I really like, and he'll try to compete for that job. And then Eno Benjamin still kicking around, but the fact that they went out and signed Daryl Williams, I, I feel like there's a good shot that he's going to be the immediate backup. All right, back to the rapid fire here. We'll try to stay on it. Saqu- oh no, it's Saquon Barkley. You're going to want to talk forever about him. <laughs> I, All I right, can, I'll so, be brief. I'll be brief. Okay, came back last season. I don't think he looked like the same version of himself, at least not the, the same guy that we saw the first couple years of his career. You buying or selling him? I'm buying. Here, I'll tell you what. I'm going to keep it really very brief. You can go over to the, uh, the Injury Prone <laughs> Fantasy Football Podcast feed. It's about a six-minute episode. I go in. I tell you exactly where we're at. Bottom line, Boone, I, I, I'm wrong when I'm wrong, and I admit to it. I cop to it. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. The bottom line is I was right about Saquon Barkley last year, and I, I don't want that loss because of the ankle injury. He came back, and I had a pin tweet for a while. Uh, his first four weeks, he saw 48, 84, 84, and 85% of the snaps or something like that. He had something along the lines of like five points. Uh, it's like 19 points, 25 points, 27 points in those first four weeks before the ankle injury. He was back despite the ACL, despite the you know everything that was going on against him, that terrible offense. The offense was terrible. He's going as like RB22. A guy who finished in 2017 or 2018 as RB2 and the next year finished as RB9. I, I get it. I understand why you would be out on him. I understand why you think the ankle and the, and the knee might be related. I'm not out on him. I think he is having some bad luck. I think that you can sort of count the ankle injury as a fluke because he was he stepped on another dude's foot. I'm in on Saquon Barkley. And if you again, if you want the full context, you can go to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast and listen to that one there. Not a lot of competition in that Giants backfield either. I mean, even Devonta yep. Booker last year was a you know, better version than, you know, what do they have there now? Matt Breda. I'm not too concerned about Matt Breda or any of the rookies that they have there. All right. Next up, Amari Cooper, who is in Cleveland now, dealt with a bunch of hamstring and ankle issues last season. What are you feeling on him? Is it possible during this game, Boone, to instead of buying or selling a guy, can I like put him on layaway or something? Wanna, or, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like this is okay. this is a guy I'm still trying to figure out. He is a Julio Jones type in the sense that before the last couple of years, Julio Jones was constantly hurt, but also constantly on the field and constantly performing. That's kind of been Cooper's MO. At the beginning of last year, we were worried about that foot, right? That that sort of we we thought that it might have been plantar fasciitis. We weren't really sure. He's been dealing with it since college. Uh, then we got into 2021. He got COVID and he had some symptoms. He had some really, you know, res- residual symptoms that lasted a while. Uh, we also saw the bone bruise, right? And then he had the hamstring, like you mentioned. Um, it, it was something that he tried to play through, which obviously didn't work out for him. Then he turned around and injures a hamstring again. I think that 2021 was par for the course for Cooper. He just couldn't play through it this time. So I'm going to say I think Cooper is being undervalued. We won't talk about the Browns offense, but I think I'm in on Cooper. All right, we'll package the next two together here because they're both still free agents. Julio Jones, Will Fuller. Are you buying or selling Jones or Fuller? Selling Julio Jones. I'm buying Will Fuller. Still think Philip Fuller could do it. I feel like we've talked about him in past episodes and you've been on. You still think he's got a shot. I stick to my guns. I stick to my guns. I don't know what the hell happened to him last year, man. He like almost had a finger severed or something. That does not sound like a football related injury. And I don't necessarily think it was. It might've been something that he was doing on his own. Um, it's like my first thought process is like he had a degloving injury, whether he was trying to hook up a trailer or something. I don't know, but it does not. What he had does not seem like it was a football injury. Maybe I'm wrong there, but there's no other context. Um, 
And then I have, again, uh, I discussed Will Fuller at length at fantasypoints.com last year. I sort of wrote about it and gave more context there. So you can go there to try to, because my thought process hasn't changed. I think that this finger was like, uh, of course, this guy needs more bad luck, but I think this finger was just like more dumb luck. All right, let's go true rapid fire for the next four here, which are all tight ends coming back from injury. Irv Smith Jr., one word answer. I'm in. I got it. At the price, I got it. I'm in. Tyler Higby. I don't care. I don't really care, honestly. But I'm out, I guess, on him. Logan I Thomas. Really, I just don't like him. Um, Logan Thomas, Washington. Data surgery was December seventeenth. Ah, why the hell? I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Sure. And Robert Tanyan, he tore his ACL in October. Yeah, they have no receivers in Green Bay. I don't know if you heard that. I'm in on Tanyan. <laughs> I'm in on him. All right, and the last one is the the only quarterback that we'll talk about here in this rapid fire section is Jameis Winston, who is actually on the field today for the start of OTAs that came down while we were recording here. Going to have a lot more weapons to work with now, especially if Michael Thomas ends up being back out there. Are you buying or selling Jameis? I'm eating a W, Boone. I'm eat that W. <laughs> I'm going to eat it. I'm in on Jameis. I love it. Well, there you have it. Straight from the source. That's how he's approaching these players. I strongly recommend that you incorporate that into your draft plans as well, but I'm calling it there. Make sure you go give Edwin a follow on Twitter at FB injury doc. Check out his work over at fantasy points. I can't thank you enough, man. I know we were talking about trying to keep it short and around 30 minutes or so. I let it go a little bit longer here just because I know how valuable this information is and I not just the stuff that you're giving us today, but the stuff you're giving us over the course of the NFL season, it definitely helps fantasy managers make more educated decisions on, you know, the rosters and just, you know, weekly lineups, everything. So thank you again for coming on, man. I look forward to paying back the favor, like you said, in the summer and coming on your show as well. Absolutely. Going to have you on, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me ramble an extra 11 minutes. <laughs> normally it's me doing the rambling. So we're used to the rambling on this show. Just normally it's me doing it. Uh, as for me, I am going to be back next week with another episode, probably rambling away. Maybe we'll do a mailbag so I can get my maximum ramble in. But until then, big thanks one more time to Edwin. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight I said leave on time